Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, ladies and gentlemen, huge episode ahead. We're joined by Kyle Wilshire, PGA Tour player, fresh off his first event. Nate, what is going on today, fella? Not much, man. Golf's winding down. You know, it's cold as hell out. It sucks, man. It sucks now. Yeah, um, we're getting into the dark months. It's it's terrible. I hate to bring up the weather at the start of the episode like I always do, but for the love of God, I'm already feeling depressed. Yeah, I mean, I, you got to really tough out these next few months. Uh, obviously, with golf shutting down and, and uh, you know, isolated to your homes. Um it's been a pretty cool week, though, Nate, in sports. Obviously, we won't have the full episode breakdown. Most of it will come Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had an interesting experience yesterday at a local fast food restaurant. We did. You know, we stopped in <clears throat> to a McDonald's. I don't know if you, you guys have ever heard of that place, but pretty pretty big restaurant, come to think. You know, a lot of profit each year. Yeah, I mean, they promote on their sign that they've served $99 billion. <laughs> Which has, I'm not sure if they haven't made a sale since 2006, but that sign has been there for a minute. Um, but yeah, so I'm just thinking here with these these companies, you know, they're they're absolutely massive. And, and this is something that just drives me absolutely bonkers every time. It's the same at Walmart. It's the same at these other places. And they have the nerve, the nerve to ask me, the person who's buying a McMuffin and a coffee, to donate money. Donate money. Do you want to round up your order? A couple extra bucks to give to this charity? It's like, why don't you guys donate to the charity? Yeah. It's like Walmart. You go to Walmart, they don't even have tap. It's yeah. like, well, donate to the tap machines. Like, I'm I'm not donating my money when yeah. McDonald's could just do it. Yeah, I, it's it's they look to crowdfund from their customers, it seems. But yeah, you'd have to, I'd have to look into what the... Philanthropic, philanthropic, you know, adventures are of, of McDonald's, but yeah, you're you're so right, Nate. It's like, yeah, would you like to donate two dollars? I just spent seven dollars, and you profited last quarter yeah, yeah. one point five billion. Yeah, I bought a coffee. It's like you guys just literally made two fifty. There's no way you're paying more than a cent for that coffee. It's oh, not even good. It's crazy. It's foolish, dude. Uh, and they're paying everybody like four bucks an hour. Uh, it's... They're probably asking the employees to donate too. It's like, for the love of God, you want to take it off your paycheck? And they're sticking more HGH in their cows than... Yeah, now we're getting the American... Bonds. Yeah, we're getting the, we're getting the American bacon now. We're going to all have extra limbs here pretty quick. <laughs> Place a joke, dude. Anyway, moving Unless on. Unless they want to sponsor the boys. And God, I love it. And I will surely donate, McDonald. For sure. But, uh, Nate, the Braves, the 2021 World Series champion, obviously extremely excited uh, for the city of Atlanta. Um, was awesome. You know, it actually was a little was a little bittersweet that they won on the road in Houston. It was a big almost F you to the Houston fans yeah. and to the Houston team. Um, what did you think of the World Series, Nate? Oh, it was terrific, man. I love to see the Braves won. Obviously, we were rooting for them. We're not rooting for the Astros at any point ever. Um, obviously, excuse me, not a fan of them at all. Uh, you know, good for Atlanta, though. I mean, first, uh, first World Series since 1995. Uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, I saw a lot of things too, just to kind of get off the beaten track here a bit, but I saw a lot of stuff where they're just like, you know, as soon as they win, now there's a lot of chatter about how it's like embarrassing now. It's like the Braves won because the name and it's like, why you got to bring it up now? Like, yeah, I understand it's a, like, I, that's another one I don't understand. Like Braves is obviously, are they going to change that? Is that in the talks? I, I haven't mean, heard a whole lot about Braves. Like, I know Indians had to go. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I don't know the backstory on all this stuff. Like, I know it's a, probably a derogatory term. I just have no clue. Yeah, and they do, like, the kind of, like, the, the the chop in the, yeah. in the crowd. Well, there's yeah. literally a tomahawk in the logo. Yeah, like, that's I right. have a Braves jersey that has a tomahawk on it. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I maybe mean, not a tomahawk, but, like, a chisel of sorts. I could see that jersey being changed just because in today's day and age, you know, if it's been offensive or if there's – 
you know, a meaning which some people find offensive, then yeah, it'll most likely be changed. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that's the that's the point of emphasis after winning a championship. I mean, yeah, you certainly have to take a few weeks to celebrate, you know, what they've done. An 88-win team. I mean, the odds yeah, were stacked against this team. Sure. Man, I want to give a shout-out to Alex Anthopoulos. I mean, the first Canadian GM to ever win uh, a World Series, uh, president and, and general manager of, uh, of an MLB team. And uh, he actually didn't get to celebrate with the team. He was out with COVID. Uh, and, you know, he kept it close to himself. He didn't want that to be a storyline uh, during the MLB uh, World Series. So, yeah, he, he didn't get to celebrate. Uh, but man, just think about what that guy's done in his career. I mean, he's going to go down potentially, in, you know, in the Hall of Fame with you know. Remember the teams that he built here in Toronto? Yep. Um, and then all of a sudden he left and he went to LA for two years and now he's been in Atlanta. But at the trade deadline, he acquired four outfielders. One of them being Jock Peterson. One of them being Jorge Soler. And Soler ended up being MVP. the World Series MVP. I mean, yeah. what an incredible job that guy does. What a whiz. That that home run Soler had too, man, was so like weird. It was like it was over then as soon as he hit it. You know what I mean? Oh my! Like his walk, dude. He walked around the bases like he was playing backyard baseball. It was. It was hammered. like there wasn't. And he roasted the ball, and then he just walks around the bases as if like it's not even a big deal. Yeah. He's just strutting, man, and I was fired up. No, for sure. Because we were obviously going for the Braves. Not I mean, eighty-eight wins, man. Truly incredible. And, I mean, not to mention, too, I mean, you have no Ronald Lacuna Jr. Exactly, dude. So, they did it short staff. Freddie Freeman got his ring. Let's absolutely go. Yeah. Dude. But, so, Freddie's a free agent. He's got to be staying. Um, you think he's staying or he's going directly to New York? Yeah, that's very like, true. That's just my go-to anytime anybody is a free agent. If someone asks me, I'm like, well, probably He doesn't New strike York. me as a guy that would do that. I don't either. You, know you see mean? so many things, like, behind the scenes. Like, I've seen so many videos. Like, you see the video of Halloween, uh, the kid wearing the Freeman jersey. He comes up to him and he's like, hey, what's going on? That's my number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and the kid's <laughs> like, holy shit, that's Freddie Freeman. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah, he's just a genuine great guy, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, some other huge news before we get Kyle in here. Man. Jack Eichel has finally been traded. Yes. And he is headed to Vegas. So we're going to hope that he has got zero gambling problems to issue to you know, to deal with cuz he's heading directly to the to the hub, to the to the absolute gambling hub. And man, Vegas fans, you got to be excited about this, man. This is something that these are players you draft. You it is so rare that you are going to get a player at this point in his career that's this talented. That hasn't really, like, he's had some good seasons in Buffalo. But, dude, I'm so excited to watch this guy and see what his full ceiling is going to be playing with, like, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty. Like, this is going to be this is gonna be awesome. But, like, back to what I was just saying, though. You don't get players like this out of a trade. Like, this is a second overall pick. Any other year, he would have been a first overall pick. No doubt about it. Absolutely, if he wasn't being drafted McDavid. the same year as McDavid. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about it. And you guys are getting him for maybe one of the best returns ever, I think. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm, I, I don't mind what Buffalo got in return. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Alex Tuck. He's a guy who can play up and down your lineup, most likely up in the Buffalo lineup. Oh, he'll be first uh, line. 25 years old. I mean, he's a great player. I really he, like he Alex is, Tuck. He is a good player. Peyton Krebs, I don't know too much about him. I remember watching him at the World Juniors. He yep. looked okay, but obviously he's a young kid who hasn't developed and really... I mean, ceiling is 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 really not defined yet. No, um, for sure. And and who knows what that ceiling will be in Buffalo, up, like opposed to in the what, next uh, five years. I mean, it's probably not going to look great. No, uh, I mean, it's not going to be ex- like what it was going to be in Vegas. That's no, for sure. Definitely. I mean, but we'll see what happens. And a, a 2022 first round, top ten protected first round pick, and a 2023 a second play. round pick. So I mean, I mean, for Buffalo here, I mean, I'm sure a few Buffalo fans are going to be like, wow, you know. That kind of sucks, I think. I, I Like, Peyton Krebs is, a, I think, 17th overall pick in 2019. I mean, he's not like – it's not like he was, like, a highly touted top five coming in, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, for Vegas, I mean, this is the move. Like, they're, they're going for it right now, and th- what a better way to do it than get a 24-year-old stick. And if you look at that Vegas roster in the last three years, where have they struggled? Up the middle of the ice. Well, well that's what I, just... I, I've said it countless times. I said, I mean, Chandler Stevenson's a hell of a player. He was unbelievable – in the Caps playoff run, but this man is not a first line center to no. any any stretch of the and, imagination. And William Carlson as well. I mean, these guys are good middle of the lineup guys for sure. Um, and now I you're mean, but if Jack you can Nich- put Chandler, sorry to cut you off there, but nope. if you can put Chandler on third line, I mean, he's like an ideal third line center. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah. So I, Vegas, I, know, I, like I mean, the trade. yeah, that's. It, I think, yeah, it's great for Vegas, and and obviously they had a lot of the bar- the bargaining power. I mean, Buffalo was running out of options. I mean, this guy's not playing for your team, so you have to move him. And now. 
you know, it came down to Calgary and Vegas, and it looked like Vegas had more to offer. So it would have been interesting to hear what uh, what Calgary was putting on the table. I mean, there was rumors about Matthew Kachuk. I don't think that's the case. I don't think either because I feel like if that was the if that was what they offered, that trade was getting done before this one. Like you're taking yeah. Matthew Kachuk over Alex Tuck. My issue was that uh, Brady Kuch- or Matthew Kachuk. I'm sorry, he's on an expiring deal. His bridge deal is coming to an end, and and I mean, is he going to be staying in Buffalo? There's no way. No chance. There's no way. So, so, I mean, if he was on the board, that was obviously a major factor as to why that trade didn't go through. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm excited as hell for this. Um, and like you said, all the bargaining power was – like, Buffalo had none. Yeah. So, I mean, the return is not half bad considering. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, hey, we're moving into the NFL quickly because uh, big news came out that Aaron Rodgers will not be able to play against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Um, Aaron Rodgers has contracted covid so it was interesting. As this news broke, people went back into the Aaron Rodgers interview vault, and he found they found that Aaron Rodgers had kind of beat around the bush, um, so to say, so to speak, when it came to asking about his vaccination. He said, "No, I'm immune. I'm immunized." So he didn't say he was vaccinated. He said to the media that he was immunized. So he's not vaccinated. Oh, and so there's going to be some serious investigation going into how uh, Aaron Rodgers has handled his season, his his you know his the protocols because there's a massive discrepancy in the conduct of players between vaccinated and unvaccinated. They've got to be on different parts of the plane. They've got to be getting tested. They've got to have masks on. And if it's found that Aaron Rodgers has beat the system here, there could we we could be looking at the Green Bay Packers serving a massive penalty. For sure. I, I was unaware this was a thing. So he just came out and said he was immune to the virus. Yeah. That's what in the interview he said. Yes. I'm immunized. This guy's a lunatic. Yeah. But I mean, Green Bay must've known like you would have gotten his vaccination records. They would have had to know. Yeah. So they would have known he wasn't vaccinated. See, okay. That makes a lot more sense too. Cause I remember when the news broke yesterday, I was like, okay, this is, this is Wednesday. The game is until Sunday, correct? Yeah. Um, so I a mean, couple negative tests. Ex- that's what I mean. Yeah. If he's if he's um, vaccinated, couple couple negative tests, you're done. I mean, if, I, I figured maybe he was symptomatic or something, and they knew like it would be like the ten day, kind of whatever the hell it is. I don't even know if you call it quarantine anymore. But okay, so that makes a lot more sense to me then. He's just not uh, he's not vaccinated. He's an anti-vaccinator. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and uh, anyway, the silver lining of it all is that Green Bay Packers fans will get to check out uh, their former first-round pick, Jordan Love. And we'll see. I mean, from all accounts, Aaron Rodgers, this might be his final year in Green Bay. I mean, we thought that he may not even be in Green Bay this year. Uh, so they'll get to check out what Jordan Love has, uh, former first-round quarterback. So so that'll be you know fun to watch for Green Bay and, and obviously a developing situation out of Wisconsin. Um, some horrific news at the NFL this week, Nate. Um, Henry Ruggs, uh, former first-round receiver out of Alabama, was going 260 kilometers an hour, 169 miles per hour, um, down a, a freeway and, and ended up hitting uh, a 23-year-old woman and her dog. Um, both died at the scene. Um, Henry Ruggs' blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit. Um, he will, His career is, is inevitably done in the NFL, and, and it's just ex- extremely sad and... I hate stories like this. I was, I was just going to say, it makes you sick, doesn't it? It's 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 literally like the the worst case scenario. You know, it's a 23-year-old woman, her dog. Like, this guy is out here being an absolute idiot, driving 260 kilometers an hour drunk, and he kills somebody who's just, you know, going on with their day. And it's it's the worst thing, man. That's the, that's the thing I always think of whenever somebody's, like, thinking about – you know, you, you, you've had situations where someone's, like, thinking about getting behind the wheel and you talk them out of it or something. Yeah. It's, like, that's always my go-to is, like, dude, okay, maybe you get home okay. It doesn't matter. It's, like, all it takes is, man, for you to slip, not pay attention for a second. You hit someone and just kill an entire family and or say their kids are left without a family, dude. Like, it's it's never worth it, man. Especially when you have unlimited amounts of money like this guy. Like, get an Uber, dude. Like, it... It's so simple to do, man. There's zero excuses. There really is zero excuse for it. Um, you know, the moral of the story is don't drink and drive. Don't speed. You know, it is interesting that cars have the ability to go this fast. 
you know, just in our society in today's day and age. I know. With you all, know, yeah, it's it is it it does blow my mind a little bit that we have vehicles on the road that have the ability to go that fast. I mean, there's never a scenario unless you're on the autobahn in Germany. I think that's the only place in the world where you could go that fast. Yeah, I think even um, then the limit's like what one. 80 like 200 or something or is i don't it, think there is a speed oh there's limit. no speed limit at yeah. all okay which is just borderline treason yeah which but, is insane yeah. but but yeah super sad out of uh out of las vegas he was actually starting to have he obviously had a terrible year last year he was having a great season uh great young promising talent who made an absolutely life-changing decision uh that will put him behind bars for i think five to 20 years and and he'll never be able to play in the nfl again so fuck man five to um, 20 just doesn't seem like enough for me no my like, goodness especially no. if he gets the lower end of that like five years man like that is that's outrageous i know i know it's outrageous um but uh but nate we're gonna talk a little bit about golf because we're having kyle on here momentarily yep. and the pga tour is, is in Mexico this week. I made the mistake last week of calling it a World Golf Championship. It is not a World Golf Championship. This is just a standard event with a uh, cut after two days. Uh, we'll be following along closely. Our picks are on Instagram. Uh, I know Nate is high on Victor Big Dick Vic Hovland. Yeah, you know I'm a big uh, I'm a big sucker for guys going back to back. Yep, the sucker won it last year, and uh, of course I'm also on Zalatoris. I think he's plus forty five. Uh, I took Kepka too, I believe. Right. Yep. Yep. Kepka, and then my sleeper pick was Henrik Stenson. Yeah, absolutely. And the former, uh, he he won the Olympics, right? Uh, or did he win the uh, silver medal at the Olympics? Silver medal at the Olympics, that's right, yes. Yep, and a former British Open champion. Yeah, yes. no, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I like Ricky Fowler this week. I'm on Tony Fee now. So you can check out our picks on Instagram. Uh, but I think without further ado, we will bring on Kyle Wilshire. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're extremely excited to be joined by Kyle Wilshire Fresh. Off his first PGA Tour event. Listen, Kyle, thanks for coming on, man. How was everything in Bermuda? How was the first PGA Tour event, man? Man, it was great, to be honest. It uh, Everything kind of happened fast, to be honest. It was it was crazy. So I was a Monday qualifier, and they had the qualifier here in Orlando. That's, that's where I live at now, Orlando, Florida. And, uh, of course, I play at a decent amount, play some one-day events on there. So I was like, shit, this is pure. I'll just do the Monday. I had to do the pre-qualifier, so they do like a – qualifier before the qualifier to kind of weed out the people that are just show up think they can you know break par and can't break 80 so it's <laughs> weed you know, out the guys being like honest me. like that's that's what it is so yeah, but like they me. uh so i did that i got through that shot 200 and then i shot seven in the monday and i was like second group out and uh so i had to wait i sat there for five hours because there was a bunch of guys still coming through and you're talking like guys that have won on the pga tour that are still out there playing and i'm like Seven under is a good round and it's a long golf course, but it, uh, you know, you just never know. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, ended up getting through, but that was kind of just the start of it. Cause Bermuda, man, they're, they, uh, you have to have the vaccine to go there. Um, and you have to COVID test, you have to have a negative COVID test, but it's gotta be a certain PCR. It can't be the take home. So I'm like spinning around, not to mention, I've got to book travel, book, a, figure out a caddy, figure out where I'm going to stay. And all this has got to happen like soon. Most of these guys are playing the tournament. They've had this shit booked for like a month, month and a half. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, so we're looking. My girlfriend's great about traveling stuff. So she was kind of helping me out. I was trying to find a caddy. So it was just kind of all happened fast. Anyways, got over there. And uh, then I had to take another COVID test when I landed. It was it just a lot of logistics. You know, you would think like, I would have Monday qualified into like the Honda here in like West Palm beach. You just drive down the road and you're there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nah, you got to fly. I got to had to fly to JFK, JFK to Bermuda. And then we got in and I actually got in on Saturday before like the week before most guys don't probably usually get into like Monday or Tuesday, but I uh, showed up Saturday. I was like, shit, man, might as well get there and just see what it's like. I don't want to be scrambling around. It's supposed to be some dicey weather. So I was like, earlier I can get there, the better, you know, so I played and, and it was cool to be honest, Bermuda, the golf course is like actually kind of short. Um, not your typical, like you think PGA tour, like Augusta 7,400 Riviera, these big long golf courses. This is more like, it's an older course, but very narrow. Um, and the wind was howling and blew like 35, like Tuesday with Augusta was at 60 mile an hour winds blew the uh like the big their signature hole 16 blew that it's like cemented into the ground just blew the canopy off the the grandstand so i was like they didn't even let people go out on wednesday so like the pj tour relies on these pro-ams like the people are paying big money 
20, 30 grand to play with a pro yeah. and to cancel the whole pro him. It wasn't safe to be out there. That's crazy. So, you, had, you had guys like Russell Knox and Matt Fitzpatrick come out and say they had never played in wind like that. These are two top tier European guys who play in the wind, you know, as, as kids. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. Like I was actually out on a practice round or I tried to go out on Tuesday and Fitzpatrick and his caddy were in front of us and they were just like, you know, Matt's from the UK, him and Russell, both Russell, Scotland, they got to hit it low there, but it was crazy, man. Like that, that Tuesday practice round, it was, it, you couldn't have played golf because the ball, like I remember marking the ball and it just rolled and they hadn't mowed greens and they, they actually couldn't mow them as fast as they wanted to because the ball wasn't staying on the green. Wow. So it was kind of crazy, like them just managing the course. So Tuesday and Wednesday were kind of bad, like rain off and on, but crazy wind. Thursday, wind was still up, probably like 30, 35 sustained. And like the morning wave, I was in the afternoon, the morning wave, man, they got hit with some like sideways rain. It was, it was pretty wild. And I was actually fortunate. I still had the wind in the afternoon, but it was you know, it wasn't raining, you know, I didn't have to worry about an umbrella, but I remember like looking off the, the balcony where I was staying at right on the eighth green, long par three into the wind guys are like ducking, leaning into it. And I was just like, shit, that looks brutal. But, <laughs> yeah. but no, man, it was, it, I got fortunate with the way that happens at every event though. You're going to get some that are good. Some are bad, but uh, you know, kind of got off to a little dusty start three over through like six or seven and kind of battle back and I played with a guy that was the, the first day Chad Ramey was on fire he, he, he shot six under the first day and didn't miss a shot and it was blowing 30 I was like shit that's pretty impressive but uh you know fought hard I kind of was a little loose with a few wedge shots that first round and then I knew the second round the weather was going to be better and I just needed to kind of I didn't really have a number in mind you know obviously trying to make the cut and play well but I didn't have a number I just went out and I was like, shit, if I can get off to a decent start, we'll just see what happens. And uh, I did. I was hitting the ball well. Even the first day, I hit a lot of greens, and I just needed to give myself some chances. And when it's windy like that, I feel like the hardest part, if you can control your ball, obviously, but holding putts when you got a 35-mile-an-hour crosswind, you're just like, yeah, it's it's just it's just tough, right? So, but, yeah, man, I just kind of hung in there, um, you know, shot four under. And luckily enough, that was good enough to make the cut. And, you know, I had a good, you know, Saturday was, I had an opportunity to shoot a good score on Saturday. I just, I didn't, I, you know, that end Sunday, I just didn't hit enough, you know, make enough putts, uh, hit the ball close enough. And even if it was still being windy, I just didn't hold enough putts to kind of be in that top tier. But, uh, but no, nah, man, overall, great first experience. That's obviously like, I've been a pro for seven years and that's where I've been uh, trying to get to. That's why you work to, you know, you play all these tours, do all this travel, sacrifice a lot so to actually finally get there and play in a tour event and then to make the cut in your first tour event i don't care if it's bermuda championship or you know wherever you you get your start in i it, i don't think i was thinking about that that much but you look back on it you're like damn that's pretty cool you know something i can take with me and make my first you know cut on my first tour event so no nah, man it was, it was a lot of fun a lot of fun 100 percent. i'd like to make a cut at any point in my life yeah let alone on pga yeah, right men's club championship yeah sure. I would I, hey that. it doesn't matter what's what stage you're on right the club <laughs> tournament member guests weekend with the boys whatever it is you know yeah uh what was the range like out there you, you mentioned maddie fitzpatrick and some of those guys out there like what what is the range atmosphere like coming into this pga event like so in, like so first of all like the I guess like you walk out, it, it's kind of in a condensed area. Like obviously you're on an island in Bermuda. So like big properties just don't really exist. Um, you know, the, the, the big homes in the States are like compounds, right? Like they have a lot of, a lot of area, but like the, where the golf course was, you drive up, they shuttle you around. You got a small putting greens kind of on a slope, but the rain just sits way up. You're hitting down. So everyone's really bunched up. And uh, so you're like, you, you go get your balls or whatever. You're sitting there and there's Fitzpatrick, Graham McDowell, uh, Camilo was hitting them like head high out there. And who else? Was Patrick Reed. Actually, Patrick Reed was there on Sunday. He got there Saturday and he was there. I played Sunday, me, him, and uh, the Italian guy, Migliozzi. We were the only ones on the golf course on Guido. Sunday. Guido. Guido, yeah. So he uh, actually had a college teammate that was really good friends with him from no, Italy. But, uh, but yeah, so – everything's really condensed. And I don't think that's normal for most PGA tour events. You go to like a uh, Muirfield village, even Augusta, obviously massive property. You got a lot of space. So you can kind of like not see people during the week, but you know, if they're out there practicing, you were seeing them. So you're seeing, you got Fitzpatrick, I mean, Russell Knox, 
obviously Patrick Reed and some other guys that have just got their car, like Steven Yeager is a friend of mine, played on the Corn Ferry. Um, a couple other guys that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Um, a guy named Sepp Straka has kept his car a couple of years. Yeah. No, Sepp well, played the Canadian Tour together. So He had a and great then, Olympics, the first couple of days of the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, and then obviously Pendrith was there. I remember playing with Pendrith in Canadian Tour, McKenzie Tour. And uh, so it's a lot of familiar faces, some guys you haven't seen in four or five years. And I haven't played the best of golf the last couple of years, but it's starting to kind of trend. I, it was right at the start of COVID, I was really getting my game back and and we shut down or whatever. But uh, yeah, so it was good to catch up with guys, but everyone's mostly pretty friendly. Like I was talking to Fitzpatrick and his caddy going down like the first play or the first practice hole. Um, Camilo and his brother, who was caddying for him, Manuel, they were out in front of us and just kind of laughing at some of the shots you're getting because it's pumping 40 and you're just like yeah. <laughs> Whoa. five iron and run down there and catch it real quick, you know? So, <laughs> but no, everyone's cool. I mean, it, it's very, it's very chill. There's some guys that are obviously more locked in. And then you have some guys that are like foreign. There's a couple South African guys that are kind of with their caddy and they're, you know, they're in their own little world. And um, so it's, it's very relaxed. I think most guys, you know, everyone kind of gets along. It's very cordial. I would say there's some guys that, probably a little more standoffish than others, but, uh, you know, Patrick Reed, for instance, I'm not saying that he was like not polite. He was just very much locked into what he was doing. He wasn't there, you know, some guys would come up and say hello, but he was there with his caddy and his coach and they were locked in and they were ready. They were there to play. And I think a lot to be said for that. I mean, the guy made three doubles last week and finished second. So he's, uh, he's a stud, but no, man, it was cool. Real, Real chill, real relaxed. You know, I didn't feel like, uh, it didn't feel like anything like way different. Obviously these guys you see playing and some of these guys have been out there since I was little watching them play, but yeah, very chill. You know, it wasn't very, it wasn't like levels to it. I don't feel like it was no, just very, no. you know, everyone deserved to be there. That was there. Right. So. And at the end of the chill. day, Kyle, it's just the game that you've played, you know, you know, every day and, you know, every week for, for your life. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're exactly right. I mean, that's it at the end of the day, it is golf, right? It doesn't matter if you're at your local community, you're on the PGA tour, the lowest score still wins. So yeah. it's like, I've kind of tried to adapt that mentality when you, when you kind of go up in levels on whatever tour you're on. I think it's more a sense of anxiousness, I guess, than, than nervousness because you just got to fall back still golf, you know? So I try to tell, tell my friends that, and they're like, Oh man, like, how was it? Were you anxious or nervous? I was like, on the first tee, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous. I was like, I was ready to go because I'd been there for, five days I was like, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like yeah, let's yeah. go so no it was it, it was real chill so at the end of the day it's golf's golf right so no, exactly yeah well, listen kyle we we're i was extremely excited to see you in the you know in, in the field you know right when i saw that you were in the field i gave you a text and i was like look let's go like i was so yeah. excited to follow along but listen what were the major differences do you find i mean you you said you've been on the mckenzie tour you've been on a bunch of tours you know grinding for this opportunity what were the biggest differences between the pga tour and these other tours that you've been on well, I think just the stage of the PGA Tour, albeit we were in a very remote location, obviously Bermuda, you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, kind of you know, two hours from the States, really anywhere. Um, but logistically, the PGA Tour, I would say they do things. It's an event. I mean, it's not a, you know, nothing against the McKinsey Tour or any other mini, like many tours in the United States or even the Corn Ferry Tour. There's just only so much that they can do. There's only so much money that they have to to kind of host this event. And it kind of depends on if the community's around it, but like here in Bermuda, this is like, this is their event. They've had some other things, but like they really look forward to this. So I would say the stage is probably just the vibe of like, you know, there's grandstands, there's hospitality tents. So that is definitely different than like, say your average, you know, say a corn fair event. It's very much different in that respect. Um, and then I think when you go to the quality of play, on the PGA Tour, man, it was, it was so funny. I played with Nick Watney the last day, and it's like, you know, I've watched this guy. He's won, I think, five times on the tour, yep. somewhere around 30 million career earnings. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Like, my girlfriend's walking around. He's, like, you know, getting a drink of water. He's like, oh, do you want a bottle of water? Like, you know, I can't believe you're out here. It's pouring down rain. And super nice, but, like, obviously, he didn't know me. He knew, he didn't even know I was probably a Monday qualifier. Asked me where I'm from, like, you know, told him I was a UCF grad and he was asking me a question about UCF football. And so it was, you know, I think out there, but kind of go back to it. I think just the level of play is obviously higher, but the biggest thing is guys just figure out a way to get it in the hole. 
I don't feel like, I mean, you guys see it all the time. I'm watching a lot of golf. There's so many different ways to do it. Golf swing wise. You got, I mean, DJ, there's a lot of stuff in DJ swing. Most of your instructors aren't going to teach, right? You're, Not flexible. You've got guy, yeah. you got like a lot of, like Morikawa, like technically really sound, but then you got a guy like, I don't know, Graham McDowell's got an interesting move, kind of whips it around, but the guys just get in the hole, man. And that's what I, that's what I took away from Watney. I wasn't like blown away. Like he didn't hit it way farther than me. If anything, we were the same, but kind of hit similar. I mean, he hits it flush. Like he doesn't miss a lot, but like, he just putted way better than me on the last day. Really? Yeah. Like when he had himself, like gave himself a chance, he hold it. And, um, I think that's just the overall level throughout the tour. You take guys from 100 to 125. Everyone hits it pretty far. Um, everyone hits it solid, like irons, contact. The guys I think that really separate themselves are the guys that are that are really stout from like 170 and in. And when I mean 170, it's like eight and nine irons. They can they hit they flag them. Yeah, and then they hold them. You know they they hold and when they get out of position or they hit a shot. They know where it's going to be. The big misses aren't really there. You don't have guys that miss both ways. It's very – I mean, everyone will do it every now and then, but guys really are under control. And I just think chipping and putting and getting the most out of your round. Nick Watney and I played a very similar round of golf through about 13 holes. And I, I think I parred my first 14 or 15 holes. And he was just hitting it kind of the same thing I was, but just getting the most out of it, holding some putts where I didn't kind of cash in on some opportunities. So I just bring him up as just kind of what I saw because it was like, this is a great opportunity to see somebody, you know, I was never in awe, but it was, it was very easy to compare, you know, just being there in person. Absolutely. I'm happy you brought in the Kwani because I mean, like you said, five-time winner on the tour and, and uh, you know, he's, he's in the rebuilding process of his career. I mean, he's gone through some tough years. I think, you know, this year, I think he's four for four now cuts made and he's, he's really trending in the right direction. Uh, so that's awesome that you got to experience obviously yeah. around a golf with, with Nick and what a credible, incredible experience. Yeah good, you. yeah. good dude too, man. Like real, real solid, like just cutting it up with him. Like we're out there and it's, pumping 30 winds wind and rain like the rain is like hurting you it's coming off the ocean it's like and he's just like well nowhere else i'd rather be you know it's just like yeah man we're out here you know so and it, that was another thing too I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with and um you know he's he's had a good start to his year i think he was a second or third in napa and then played pretty good in in vegas maybe i think I, i'm not sure but he's up there in the fedex cup but you know he didn't to him, it's probably not about money anymore. I don't know. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but like I give him a lot of like props. And I, as a guy like him, you know, watching him, he grinded that whole day on Sunday. He could have very easily just kind of toked in a, you know, an even or a one over, a two over. But the guy was like lining up putts because he knows at the end of the end of the year, the difference between finishing 50th and getting six FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup points and finishing 33rd and getting 14 that could be the difference in playing the BMW and then getting into the next and your season being done. So I have a lot of respect for people that do that. Cause that's kind of how I, I I'm kind of a per se grinder, but uh, the guy was locked in and it, it, was, it was fun to watch and fun to be around. Absolutely. Sure. Um, just switch gears a little bit. It's something I'm really curious about as well. Just like, what's maybe you can give us and the listeners just kind of like, what's the everyday like for you, where are you living now? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, I'm from central Kentucky. I grew up in a town called Georgetown, just outside of Lexington. Uh, I lived there the first 18 years of my life. And then, um, I came to college at the university of central Florida here in Orlando. And I've kind of stayed here. I graduated in four years and I've kind of made this my home and my base. Um, still very proud of where I grew up, proud to be from Kentucky. My family still lives there. So I, I still consider that kind of like my home, but this is really my home and my base here. You know, we, um, but it's, it's my everyday is I, I treat this kind of like a, it's a, it's my job. It's my, my way of life. And, but I have fun with it. And I, I'm an early riser. You know, I, I had this nickname in college. They all call me granddad. Cause I go to bed super early, but um, I, I like to start my day early. So I, I'm a little bit out of the norm, but I used to, I used to work out first thing when I got up in the morning, but I've kind of switched it now. Um, specifically in Florida during the summer, we get a lot of rain in the afternoon. So you can almost count on it. Just an absolute 
pisser of a storm at around four o'clock every day, like literally the hardest fucking rain you've ever seen. Yep. So I had to kind of gear to where I would just do my gym work in the evening time. So my, I, I'm kind of up around five 30 every morning and, uh, I'm a breakfast guy. So I enjoy my breakfast and my dad's kind of an early riser. So we chat in the morning and have coffee and whatever, and just sitting there. He's back in Kentucky. We just kind of talk about the same bullshit, but I get my day going. Then I'm usually at the course by seven 30. I'm fortunate. I live really close to the golf course. I practice at. So I kind of, it's, it's ideal. Really. We just moved to this part of town and I can go to the course. I usually go to the course from about seven 30 to about noon every day, 1130. And then I'll actually come home for about an hour, hour and a half. And, um, do any type of like paperwork or book and travel or whatever, have lunch and just kind of chill, cool off rest. And then usually back to the course for either I'm going to go play nine or I'm going to go work on my putting or have something specific in the afternoon. It's kind of a broad range in the morning, short game, a lot of ball striking, uh, do some wedges and stuff. The afternoon is kind of more focused on one or two things. If I'm going to go out on the course and then I come home and I'm usually in the gym around four or four 30 and uh, in there for an hour, you know, or I have a Peloton. I, I enjoy the Peloton too. So I kind of break that up five, six days a week. And that's kind of my routine when I'm at home. I mean, it's, it's, it's long days. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tanked, but you know, the thing about professional golf, if you're not kind of putting that work in, you know, there's times where you, you got to enjoy some time away, but time off, but if you're not, if you're not really doing it, I've learned that there's people that are, you know, and even guys at the highest level, I mean, Justin Thomas isn't taking any days off. I mean, he, he, even when he's not playing a tournament that week, the guy's working on his game and doesn't have to be told what to go do. He he's, he's motivated to be the best he can be. And I think if you're not doing those things and not putting your body in the best shape and getting the best rest and the recovery, you're kind of behind and uh, kind of goes into diet too, trying to watch what you eat and, you know, it, it, it's, it's more of a holistic approach, but I think if you're going to be a professional golfer, you got to enjoy the grind, right? And, and it doesn't matter if you're number one in the world or a guy like me trying to get to the, the PGA Tour. It's, it's an it's all-day, everyday thing. So, um, But I'm fortunate living in Florida, the weather's pretty good most of the year. So I have, you know, even when the days are a little shorter, like we're getting now, you can practice and, you know, it's, it's not cold. We don't have to worry about snow. I mean, down here it gets 40 degrees and people freak out so it's what are you rubbing it in our face or uh yeah sorry that's what i was about to ask you guys it's probably getting a little chilly up your way oh, huh? freezing is it now. ever the leaves are falling off the trees and we're we're getting yeah. ready for snow up here so God. what is it what is it up there now probably like what 10 yeah it might even be eight today yeah like we're getting into it's like the single digit celsius so Sheesh. yeah so, so that, that, uh, one hour range doesn't sound too bad right now <laughs> yeah. yeah that well i guess you gotta gotta be you gotta be uh, thankful for what you what you got, I guess, bro. <laughs> for sure. Well, listen, yeah. Kyle, I guess I'll, I'll just tell the audience now that you know we met out in Whistler when I was out there, and, and Pork O'Rourke, uh, we all we all went out and played. Um, I think it was Nicholas North, of course, we played that day. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was you and Hoji. I think it was Hoji, right? Oh yeah, yeah, Hojin. Actually, funny story. Hojin actually, he's kind of moved on the next stage of his life. He uh, okay. he's he's engaged. Okay. And uh, his girlfriend. So he's from Orlando as well. He grew up here, but uh, he's just kind of put the clubs up. He's kind of looking to get in the tech world. And uh, his girlfriend's got a pretty good job. They, she lives in New Jersey. And uh, he's just since he recently, like two weeks ago, just moved up there. So nice. he's, I talked to him yesterday and uh, he was obviously he's happy for me about everything, but he's, he's getting used to like growing up in Florida. Now it's like a little cold. He lives right outside of New York city now. So it's, yeah a little tight but yeah hoge was up there good buddy and man that was awesome that was doesn't seem like that long ago but that was 2019 bro that was a while i know it's well it's crazy how fast these two years have kind of just you know yeah. almost dissolved away in front of our faces but we went out to dinner man we had a great night great uh, night bro. we had a great ton of fun night. and and i always take pride in, in when i'm playing with golfers of your quality you know i'm playing with three pros and, and you know i'm nowhere as close to that i just try to make it light and fun like i'm just trying to crack jokes the whole time trying to be like the light he's closer than i am because you know, if you're the guy just being frustrated, pretending you're a good golfer, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. And that's kind of what I, I got from that whole thing. Like with, with you and Porg, like we were out there and we were playing this practice round. I'm very lighthearted, right? The tournament wasn't for a day or two later. And I was, I, it, I just remember it was like, Greg's just got this whole vibe about him. I was like, this guy right here, like we just met and it's just, we're out here having a laugh, smacking it around, giving yeah. each other shit, like it getting hyped going. up for each other. Like, Greg hit a nice chip up there. I'm like, let's go, dude. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Three putties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, but no, man, it was, it, it was a lot of fun. Very lighthearted. You know, Porg actually reached out to me. He's played Port Royal, that, that course in Bermuda. So he told me he's played there like six or seven times. And uh, he was like, man, great course at the wind blows. It's a lot of fun. So man, that was, that was a great time. Whistler, one of the, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to that whole oh. west side of Canada, but Whistler, man, that Whistler tops it. That's pr pretty sweet up there. It, it's insane. It really is. But but I remember during our round, uh, you and Hoji talking about your time at uh, University of Central Florida. And, and uh, you know, I guess just kind of I, I do want to get into the Green Bay Packers and what's going on with them this week, because that's got to be exciting for you. Yeah, um, man, but, the um, boat but yeah, just got picked up. That's right. The story with the boat and what he was doing. He got the call and he was like even par through seven holes. Yeah, and he had so to I pick think up. he was. At, was it? Yeah, we, he was out at uh, Ponte Vedra Inn, Ponte Vedra Golf Club, which is right like. Ponte Vedra is right down the street from uh, Deep Sea Sawgrass. So I, he, I'm pretty sure he just had a kid, actually, Blake did. So he's kind of been bouncing around, man. Like, it didn't work out in Jacks for him. And, you know, but if you think about it, the guy was one win away from being in the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for Tom Brady, he's probably in the Super Bowl. miracle comeback. Like, the, the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars had the Patriots pinned down. Exactly. Had him. It's just like he got Brady'd. And you know, from there, I feel like – I don't feel like his confidence took a hit, but it's like – Jacksonville probably didn't want to hang on to him, but it's like, it's hard to argue. The guy just almost got us one win away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. It really won half away from it. And it's like, you know, so, he, and he's kind of been bouncing around and, but to see him get picked up, man, I mean, I, I think he went out, well, he was in LA, what, last year or two years ago. And, you know, I think that was a chance for maybe him to kind of see what he could, you know, learn under McVay and, you know, they obviously, they didn't have given up on golf and since traded on and moved on to yeah. Stafford, but, it's nice to see Blake, you know, kind of keep getting calls. He had a punked around there in Denver, but yeah, man, he was out playing golf and he's, uh, you know, he's, I think he's a new dad. So he's, he's, he, you know, but Hey, they need help in green Bay right now. So yeah. we'll see. It's going to be exciting. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so Blake Bortles, the green Bay, but listen, talk about your time at university of central Florida and you know, what, uh, you know, kind of what the meaning of that school is and, and, you know, how close you still are following the sports there. And, you know, how is, you know, what, what's it like being alumni from that school? You know, what's the culture like at that school? Yeah, man. Well, the, the thing about UCF, a lot of people don't know is uh, it's a very new school. So you got all your schools with like tradition. And, you know, I was recruited by some schools that had a lot of tradition. I grew up in the heart of Kentucky, Kentucky, obviously sports, especially basketball, more so than anything is very, very based on tradition and kind of a way of life in a way. But UCF is new. It's only been around since 1963. But a huge school. That's kind of the big thing. Like, you know, I grew up in a town at the time when I graduated high school, I'd say probably 45,000 people in my entire county. And then on a Tuesday at UCF, my freshman year, there was over 53,000. So very big school um, in the heart of Florida, big commuter school. But now, I mean, it's now it's it, it's blown up. And I think, um, you know, my four years there, as far as like the golf side of it, sick, like went to some places that I, I mean, being from Kentucky, dude, I never even knew existed. You know, we we traveled all over the country, you know, went to California, played, got to play Riviera, uh, got to play Harding Park, um, Newport National up in Rhode Island, Muirfield Village, some of these golf courses that you just can only dream of playing. And um, I was very fortunate. Our coach, they put together a great schedule. Uh, but also, too, there, you know, it's not the big name. So we didn't really get a lot of Florida kids like that wanted to come to UCF. Everyone's kind of and I was guilty of this. You, you look at the logos of, of these programs. Like, you know, if you're from Florida, you want to go to UF or Florida State. You're not thinking, oh, UCF, you know. But the fact of the matter is we, we kicked those teams' ass a lot. And we did it with guys from all over the world. So, like, my best friend, one of my best friends there outside of Hoge uh, was a guy from England. His name's Greg Eason. And he's by far the best player that's ever played at UCF. Like, he's got all the records, three-time All-American. I uh, got to high as number two in the world amateur rankings and like no one ever had heard of him. I mean, the guy was an absolute stud. Like he won eight times in college. Um, great player, but also we've got a guy that's about to win the, and there was another guy on our team, Portuguese guy. He's about to win the money list on the challenge tour. If he plays well this week, his name's Ricardo Govea. And he's played on the European tour. He's actually set the record, I think, for most, most money earned on the challenge tour back in 15 or 16. Um, very sound player, great buddy of mine. But we had another Portuguese guy, really good player. We had a Finnish guy, Italian, French-Canadian. Um, 
and my, myself from Kentucky. So you come to this hotbed of, you know, of golf and you're surrounded by people that are just so different than you. And I think that really helped me kind of, cause I grew up in a town where everyone was the same. It wasn't a bad thing, but it's all we knew small town, rural. Um, so to go somewhere and be exposed to so many things was, uh, was awesome. And then the fact that we were able to kind of have some success in other sports. Like when I was there, Blake Burles lived down the hallway from me. Remember it was him, Tate, Latavius Murray. Um, see Rashad Perriman. They were, they all lived next door to me. Now you so gotta tell us like, what was that? Like, was that just a zoo of a, of a room or what? Yeah, bro. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to get, I mean, cause some of these guys are married now, but yeah, no, like, I mean, yeah, like, bro. I mean, but no, no, college, but, I mean, the women but, just those, to be, yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, dude, I mean, it's just like you're looking around and it's like, all right, these dudes, you're thinking like, all right, these dudes are probably, you know, they got a chance to be in the NFL. And then you look at the Tay Murray and it's just like, I mean, this dude's built like an action figure, just like yoked. Yeah. Big dude. Rashad Perriman, obviously Brett Perriman's kid comes on the campus, all this buzz and you start having some success. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit, like some of these dudes are about to get drafted. Like Tay's, Tay left school. He's like, I'm out. And I think he got drafted in the third or the fifth round by the Raiders. He's still playing. Yeah. He's still playing, man. I mean, right the guys had, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a Pro Bowl, you know, Pro, Pro Bowl player, and you know, he's he's developed a great career. And then all of a sudden, you got Blake that comes in, and Blake Blake's my age. We came in the same year. He redshirted his first year. He just he came in. He's not very hyped up, you know. And they had another. They had a quarterback there, a guy by the name of Rob Calabrese from New York. It's kind of the incumbent. Then they had a freshman guy from South Florida, Jeff Godfrey, come in and kind of beat Blake out. And Godfrey was kind of this like scat back, not a deep, deep threat, but developing deep threat. But O'Leary, George O'Leary was a coach at the time, liked using him because he was fast as hell. So they could run a lot of jet sweeps out of the backfield, you know, get him out in space. And that's how they won a lot of games. But then Godfrey kind of got slowed up a little bit. He became a little bit not, not the passer that the game was going to. And Blake got his chance. And, uh, you know, he kind of flourished. And it was crazy to see him. Like, he, you see him this, like, first year is – kind of a dis not disinterested but he knew where he was at the totem pole right like yeah running scout team back up on scout team kind of not really like whatever and then like sophomore junior year he's like this guy could you know at the time he was up there for the Heisman the guy was killing you know so the team obviously did well and then 2013 was our big year we go and beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl and then since then like you know we kind of had that rough year after O'Leary left and then they hired Frost and Frost, you know, Scott Frost had a, a rough first year and then they kind of took off. And I think kind of the notoriety people now, we pr proclaimed ourselves the national champions. You know, I think we got a lot of shit for that. But if you look back at like some other teams like Auburn with Jason Campbell, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown, they went undefeated and they did the same thing. Yeah. Well, like here we are UCF and we're kind of getting this flack like, oh, national champions, like, but dude, all we and it's kind of like so you see Cincinnati now. All we can do is beat the teams on our our, on our schedule. Well, that's like, just, I don't know what so, you want us to do. And the new power rankings have come out, and Cincinnati's like fifth. Like, so how do these teams like they've got to expand the playoff? And it's yeah, got to be more teams. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, I think you talk about it. Like, let's just face it, Cincinnati they can win all their games, win that you know the American, which they probably are. They're a damn good team. Desmond Ritter, great quarterback. Yeah. But if Bama goes and plays Georgia in the playoff game or in the SEC title game, and it's close and they happen to lose, I don't care what anyone wants to say. I The, the committee is just not going to put Cincinnati no, over Alabama. They're just not going to, man. And it's just it, – I, I think for teams kind of like like Cincinnati and then like UCF, when I was there in, in 2018, you got to see some type of expansion because, you know, it's just – Cincinnati's proving it. They've been a damn good team for two years and they're going to win all their games. They won at Notre Dame and they won all their games and they're not going to probably chances are they're not going to get in. So it's kind of shitty, but you know, that was kind of my experience. You know, I, I was very much exposed because I was used to, I was a Kentucky fan growing up and we got a shitty football team for most of the time I was here. A couple good years. We're having a decent year this year, but UCF like really came on the map and you know, you're, you're exposed to like not getting the credibility, but it's, uh, is what it is. So, you know, but it was great, man. I was it, great four years there. Wouldn't have traded for anything. For sure. Um, I just wanted to touch on your time in college a little more and you can feel free to confirm or deny this. Uh, it's a little insider information here, but uh, I heard at your time at central Florida that not only were you in a frat, 
but you were the king of that frat. Is this true? <laughs> Is this true, Kyle? Oh, if the fraternity that you are talking about is the one where your coach will permanently suspend you without going in front of a board, if you partake in fraternity activities, then that was the one that I was in. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a good one. Yeah. So that was the only one, but I, we had a, uh, we had a good time. Yeah. Um, the, good thing about, the good thing about us was like whenever we were away on a tournament and it was kind of funny, my girlfriend played soccer at UCF. So we just, a lot of our tournaments were like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So we come back on a Tuesday. And if it was within driving distance, like Tuesday was like, like my buddy, Greg, he would, we'd be in the team van on the way back. So, all right, boys shower our room at seven 30 beers going, we're having a good time. Like, whatever but it's just so happened it's like we got really close with the soccer team the women's soccer team oh, and i'm oh, okay. the boys bad, know how to do it not a bad game. <laughs> so i'm gonna go ahead and she, she's over there laughing at me but she knows so tuesday nights was like <laughs> she knows what went on tuesday nights was like the night where like the soccer girls you guys had wednesday off so they would have wednesday off so tuesday night they're going i mean it's just like it's full out and there are some other teams like the men's tennis team we kind of didn't see eye to eye with a lot of those guys, but we we would go out and, you know, there would kind of be some unfriendly looks, but like, you know, obviously we got chatting with the soccer girls and a lot of the soccer girls liked a lot of the soccer or the golf guys. And oh, I love it. Yeah. So it was, we had our, we had our group and then like, dude, I remember after the Fiesta Bowl, like all the football guys come back and like that first, ne the next two months after they won, Bro, you couldn't tell a guy on that team shit. They walked around like kings. And to be fair to them, dude, they had a hell of a year. But even dudes that are on scout team walking around with their Fiesta Bowl hats at the, you know, yeah. at the university bar or whatever. And just yeah. like, all right, bro, whatever. But no, nah, you're the backup long snapper. <laughs> Take a that's seat. it. I mean, yeah. absolutely. You know, he's just absolutely doing his thing and not giving a shit. Like, yeah. listen, chief, you're on the scout team. You haven't you're never seen the field. Couldn't tell that dude anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, Kyle, we're going to run out of time fairly quickly. But listen, we are going to go through some questions here. So we go gotcha. rapid fire to end off our, our interviews. Okay. So gotcha. all right. we're going to fire off a bunch of questions at you. Want me to cool. start off? You're going to start things off. All right. all right. Let's get it going. Let's go. Kyle, what's the size of the biggest cock you've ever seen <laughs> while hunting? <laughs> How do I even go there, dog? Like, I even, Listen, I don't, <laughs> we want to set this off light. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, dream foursome. Dream foursome. Myself, my dad, Tiger Woods, and I'm gonna go. Rory McIlroy. Like it. I like it. Uh, what's your all-time favorite golf club that you've had in your possession? Oh, favorite golf club. I had a seven wood when I was a junior. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, it was a Callaway Warbird seven wood. And dude, this thing, I guess a seven wood's like a three iron. I, I don't even know now, but yeah, this thing was, dude, I want a shit ton of little junior tournaments with that thing. I was a little bigger when I was younger. So I just hit this seven wood and I was just pumping it by dudes. But, uh, but no, seven wood. High and soft probably. Hey. Uh, yeah, little cutters, little draws, whatever you need. I got it. I love it. Go-to snack on the course, Kyle. Uh, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, I, I ate a shit ton of them this week, dude. That, that, <laughs> those are like the, the PGA Tour, you would think like, oh, they got like loads of snacks for their players. Go up there. There's not like a granola bar on the tee. Like I thought there was like Nature Valley was the sponsor. And it waited till Sunday, and that's when they brought the Nature Valley bars out. I guess because <laughs> of, of COVID or whatever. But yeah, peanut butter and jelly, dude, I usually had – well, last week I was having one aside, but usually at least one during the round for sure. I love it. Sure. Hardest shot in golf, in your opinion? Hardest shot in golf. I'm going to say um, about a 50-yard um, greenside bunker, 55-yard shot elevated. So you got to like – it's it's all carry, but it's that dicey little yardage where you're like, oh, do I open up a wedge or do I open up a gap wedge or do I like try to take it on with this little soft 60 degree and more than likely leave it in the trap for most people. So 
I'm going to, yeah, like 55 yard, like bunker shot with a kind of all carry. That's, that's a little tough. See, if I see that shot, I'm debating putter. If, <laughs> if the lift, if the lift can, you know, can handle yeah, that's it. I mean, some, yeah. most people are just like, shit, I don't want to hit this one again. So whatever gets me out, but not in the shit long, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> favorite golf course ever you've ever played, Kyle. My favorite course I've ever played is Riviera in, in LA where they played the Northern Trust. What or it used to be called the Northern Trust. Genesis is it now? Genesis now. Genesis. Yeah. That's yeah. uh dude, that's a that place is freaking awesome. It is they they have a funky grass out there called Kakuya. Yeah. And it's like Bermuda and past Palum kind of mixed. It's just sticky as hell. We played national championship there in 2012 when Spieth and those guys won. Spieth and Fratelli. And uh, I can just remember one, the course is so long, like it's, it's an absolute monster, but like if you could have like a perfect, perfect lie right off the green and a chip, it's like Velcro. Like some of them it, to judge, it was impossible. Like sometimes the ball would come out dead. And the other times, like you would take a full like chipping motion and the ball would go three feet or it would go 20 yards. It's really, really cool. Really cool golf course. Favorite one I've ever played. And for all the golf fans out there, Nate and I were actually watching that event this year. I mean, remember the Tony Finau, Max Homa playoff, yep. the tree shaped. I mean, Homa was yep. under a tree, and and, oh, and you're like, Finau's got this. And yeah, anyway. no, that was the thing. And that whole, that was on ten, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Dude, that whole, and our coach was like super conservative. I remember he's like, "All right, boys, we're laying up, laying up, laying up." I was like, "All right, we'll lay up." That back right flag, dude. I don't care how good you are. You, I think the play there is just to bomb it at the green, bomb yeah. it the left side. And like that wedge shot, literally I was in the middle of fairway, perfect lie. And I was like, all right, I've hit this perfect number. I've landed this ball next to the hole. It takes one hop back bunker, the easiest six I could have ever made. I mean, I literally, I sat there and watched, I played with Keith Mitchell and some other guy. We played with Georgia and some other team. And I just watched Keith bomb it way down there, way left. And you're like, oh, that's dead. Hacks it up onto the green, two putts, makes par. But our coach is like, oh, we're going to lay up, be real smart here. Yeah, but that's not going to work. So. Yeah. <laughs> but great hole, great course. Okay, this next one is for the sole reason of making myself feel better about my golf game. But what's the highest score you've ever put up on a hole? Oh, shit. <laughs> highest score. Damn. I want to say, oh, it's double digits easy. Uh, there. <laughs> got to be probably like in a tournament. Oh, shit, I don't know. As a pro, probably like a nine. But as an amateur, I can remember making a 10 or an 11 on a hole. Probably when <laughs> I was a little hot under the collar and just didn't give a shit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say um, probably like a nine. That's not that's not great. And that was like probably on like a par, par four. Yeah, so what is that, a quad? Quad I mean, or a quintuple? What, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Quintuplet. Yeah. <laughs> just like, that. yeah, it's just a lot. You, you're not happy when you're telling your partner what you made on the hole and it's an over an eight, you know? No, no, no. I mean, those are in the past though, Kyle. So listen, yeah, yeah. who's your, we know, I guess for the, for all the listeners, you're a huge Green Bay Packer fan. So who's your favorite? I am. I am. So I'm, I'm actually a, I'm a, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. Are you a bandwagon two. jumper is what you're trying to tell us right now? Listen, guy. <laughs> I, I am actually grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Okay. And I'm still a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but my girlfriend's from Wisconsin. So if I have to cheer for an NFC team, I've kind of adopted the Green Bay Packers as my NFC team. I know that sounds shitty, like, oh, you can't have two teams, but here's my reason behind it. Okay. I like Rodgers. Okay. But he's not the reason. I was a big Kentucky football fan. They drafted Randall Cobb. They have Zadarius Smith, who played at Kentucky. Yep. Um, and then also, too, there's a guy that played at UCF that I was friends with. His name's uh, Jordan Mc- or Justin McCray. He's he's a, a line, journeyman lineman that's been uh, – he had a brother, Jordan. They're both twins. And he played for the Packers for three years. He played every position on the line for them two years ago when they are all injured. When Sitton was out, Sitton, UCF guy, retired. But McCray played center, right tackle, left guard, played every position on the line. He's with the Falcons now. But um, – so that's my NFC team, and I watch the Green Bay Packers more or less every Sunday. Um, and to be honest with you, this year my Steelers look very dicey. They're on a little street, a uh, little stretch here where it's kind of looking streaky. But you know, I, I will adopt the Packers as my second team. That's lame as hell. But my girlfriend's a huge Green Bay Packers fan, so okay. I, I'm roped into you got it. Got a cheese head in the house? No, we got a like what is it? Sombrero, Green Bay Packers sombrero. She. Ever go to Mexico or something? Just got it on all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you run into – dude, Green Bay Packers fans are everywhere. It's oh, just yeah. like you find them. They're all over the place. Like I've never seen a fan base like that. Yeah, yeah Cowboy fans, no one likes them. But the the freaking uh, – the Green Bay Packer fans, you see them everywhere. It doesn't matter. You can go to middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, go Pack Go. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Favorite cheat day meal? Oh, favorite cheat day meal. Dude, I house pizza. I love pizza, bro. <laughs> Like I love pizza and good coffee. So those are like my two things. So like whenever I have a day off, I either one go to breakfast and just I'll have like three or four cups of coffee, just chilling. Shit doesn't do anything to me. Like I have a cup of coffee. I get off the phone. You boys, I'll go straight to sleep. doesn't matter. does nothing to me. That's crazy. Yeah. But my favorite cheat day, like, dude, I love pizza. We had a six hour layover in New York city and we're like, shit, should we go? They were in JFK. I was like, should we just get a taxi in and just go get like one of the nice pizza places down there? And, we ended up not doing it, but yeah, big pizza guy. Love it. Unreal. How many whole ones have you had? Dude, only one. So I actually had it in Canada. Uh, my, my, I guess my rookie year as a pro 2015, it was in Fort McMurray tournaments no longer existed there. They actually, uh, the golf course, or they had a big fire in Fort Mac, Northern Alberta, middle of nowhere. And I was playing a practice round with a, uh, with two guys and, uh, two guys I kind of traveled with that year. And, just practice. I think it was like the fourth hole, two thirty-five or something, two iron, one hot, right in the hole. So, yeah, that's the only one. Yeah, I actually funny though. I almost had one in Bermuda this week on thirteen down the hill. It was on Sunday, pissing rain, pumping back into, and I've hit this five iron. I was just like, shit, it it ought to be up there somewhere. Flies at the bottom of the flag, comes out to like like right. The ball mark was like on the outside of the cup, but it hit the flag and like bounced back six feet. Missed the putt, which sucked, but oh. yeah, it was kind of yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, so yeah. Only one though. That's crazy. There's yeah. more to come. I yeah, hope so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie. Favorite movie. Um, I watch it all the time. I like. I'm a big Denzel guy. Love American Gangster. That's like. Yeah. I think that guy like he's he's a Denzel. badass. Yeah, he's a badass, bro. Like, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Lowest score. So I have a 59. Oh, um, my. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I have a 59. Disclaimer, though, uh, I was at my home course growing up, but my home course growing up was par 72, but they've rearranged some of the holes to where it's now a par 70. And this was like the first year after they had rearranged. They made a par five, a par three. So they've kind of made it a little funky, but, uh, yeah, so I, I was playing in like the men's game at, at the club there. And I was uh I was actually in college and uh went out and just played this like a $25 like skins game. They do something else for like close to the pins. Eleven I remember I was playing with some buddies. <laughs> yeah, I was playing with some buddies of mine and uh they're like, holy shit. But I actually made a double eagle and an eagle on the same nine on the back nine. What? Oh. Yeah, so I hold out on the 12th. And then funny thing is the guy I was playing, with, I was playing with like a dude, it's like a 14. My buddy was like a seven handicap. And one other guy was a decent stick, maybe like a four. I was out there and I, I hold out and the guy that's a 14 uh, drinks Bud Heavy. So he comes up on 13 and he was like, dude, you got to drink this before the, we get to the 13th green. And I was like, dude, I, and I was kind of locked in. I was like, ah, I'm all right. And I was like, all right, I'm drinking it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Had a little Bud Diesel in me before I got to the 13th, and then I went on to birdie. Uh, I eagled 16, birdie 17 and 18, and uh, and shot 59. That was minus 11. But my lowest round in a in a tournament was actually a little mini tour event here about a month ago. I shot 60, 12 under. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah. So that was my lowest score, and I I was trying to trying like hell to get to 59 there, dude, because I was I was 12 under with two to play and not no not way. two really hard holes. So you won that. Yeah, it's just a it's a small tour that I play here in Orlando. It's called the Moonlight Tour. Okay, and it it's it's just like uh, eighteen and thirty six hole events, and that was just an eighteen hole event. But there's guys that have won on the PJ Tour that that play on it. And uh, but yeah, that day it was at a place called Black Bear, uh, just north of Orlando, and yeah, I got onto a pretty good little stretch there. But yeah, that's it was cool. unreal. That's yeah. unreal. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> okay, I think this is the last one we got for you. But do you have any on course superstitions? Some crazy uh, the, yeah so the only really i'm not too super like I'm, i mark my same uh my line and like the the marking on your ball the same i started doing an orange uh 
dot right of the right of the the, the number or whatever back in college because I was like everyone's got a, puts a black or a blue or a red no one sees no you never see orange so I just started doing that I don't have any affiliation with orange not even one of my favorite colors but that and I, I usually mark my ball with um like uh a, our our quarters in the states um they have like a year on them I guess so I'll either mark it with like a year that one of my family members was born so like Sometimes I'll do like a 92 or like this past week, my dad was born in 1965. So I had a quarter of 65 and cool. So, or 94, my brother, 86, my mom, 64. So I, that's usually something like that. Or if I find like a Kentucky quarter, I'll mark it with like a Kentucky quarter, but that's really my only superstition. I, I used to be a bit more, but not as much when I got older. I, also it helps too, in case like someone's got another quarter, I can tell too, like if we're side by side, I can look down and see, oh, that's a 64 quarter. It's mine, you know? So that's really the only superstition. I don't know if that's superstition. I just kind of do it just to, to pay homage to the people that helped me out the most, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, Kyle, man, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. We really appreciate your time, man. And we were so excited to see you on the tour. And, and listen, we wish nothing but the best for you and, and the golf game. And, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully we can see you on that tour a little bit more regularly. Hope so, man. Yeah, I appreciate you boys having me on. Hopefully I didn't get too long-winded with some of these things. I just want to try to do the best I could for it. My first time being on a podcast, too. So it's kind of like, you know, this whole Zoom thing, everything's per my first time. But, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you guys. And if, you if I can ever do anything for you boys, just feel free to let me know. and be happy to. Absolutely, man. We'll be having you. We'll catch up later on the road for sure. Yeah, Listen, sounds good, fellas. Man.